Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. John Sargent. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of Broadreach. He's a globally recognized innovator focused on developing fourth industrial revolution technologies to radically improve healthcare delivery and catalyze broader development sector outcomes. John also focuses on developing public-private partnerships, cultivating private sector participation with the development sector. John co-founded Broadreach in 2003 and serves as the co-CEO overseeing the development of technology-enabled solutions for the consulting business. The main area that they cover is Africa and the insights that we could garner from how to reach this population. Access is is a big problem in the U.S., but what the innovative solutions they're conducting over there, what we can learn from them is huge. He was recognized by the World Economic Forum for the Social Entrepreneurs of the Year in 2015 by Frost and Sullivan with the Visionary Leadership Award in Healthcare and by DevX as one of the top 40 under 40 leaders in development. It's going to be an interesting conversation today. The applications are really impressive and what we could do with social determinants of health here in the States. And so I'm really thrilled to have John on the podcast. And John, can't thank you enough for joining us. Thanks so much. We really appreciate your inviting Broadreach onto your podcast and sharing our story. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure, John. So tell me, what is it that got you into healthcare to begin with? Yeah, you know, I, you know, as a, as a kid, I was always interested in science and, and medicine and sort of followed the classical pre-med route. And I'd say, you know, the first, I think, big shift in my life was when I was an undergrad, I had the opportunity to go work in Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is a country in, in West Africa, and this was the summer of 1992. And it was devastated by a civil war. So I was working with the Red Cross. And if you remember the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, Blood Diamonds, yes. it's based on, on Sierra Leone at this time. It was a horrible um, civil war. You know, the rebels would amputate people's arms and legs. And I, I worked in a really remote refugee camp called Shibuema. And it was, uh, you know, no running water, no electricity, not enough doctors, not enough nurses. And, you know, really as a, as a 20-year-old uh, undergrad sort of experiencing this outside of the U.S. for the first time, it, it just rocked my world. I mean, it, it did two things. I mean, number one, it made me realize that there was massive needs around the world and that if we could focus more resources and talent on public health in emerging markets, we could make a big difference. But the second thing was, even though we couldn't get enough doctors and nurses, I could always get Coca-Cola. And, and that was mm. a crazy thing, even in 1992. Yeah. And we used to ask the question, well, what is it that the private sector knows? And what, do we, what can we learn from other industries to change public health? And that was really, for me, the tipping point for my career. Well, I think it's, uh, it's so fascinating how these early experiences really tend to shape our careers. And it sounds like it really happened with you, John, in, in a big way, because now you guys are are focused in that area. I think it'd be good for the listeners to better understand broad reach and, and the work that you guys. Can you give us a brief on that? Sure. And just a shout out to my co-founder, Ernest Darko. He's my best friend from medical school. And we've traveled this journey together and we're still best friends <laughs> after, nice. after all these years. Now, so we are focused on improving access to healthcare for underserved populations. And that's that's a pretty bold statement and it's a really complex problem. But at the end of the day, 
it's a fundamental issue of economics, demand outstrips supply. So you're always going to have more patience, more need than you actually have money and resources. And so our focus is how do we, on the supply side, so how do we work with the providers, the doctors, the, the clinics, the governments, how do we make them more productive, more effective, so that they can do a lot more with what they have and impact more people. And so, you know, it's evolved over 16 years, but it's, you know, we started out as a consulting firm specialized in this industry in public health, you know, doing things like helping the South African government with some of their HIV policy and strategy, all the way to focusing on improving the performance of the clinics and training doctors and nurses. Today in 2019, we've really um, infused a lot of technology and we, we are a Microsoft partner. We've got a platform called Vantage that aggregates data and that mines the data and it helps anyone working in a health system from a, you know, somebody at the executive level down to an individual clinic manager to understand what are the priorities they need to focus on that week, what do they need to do, how did they perform last week. And so really trying to focus their actions so that they're a lot more effective. Love it. And what is it that got you so intrigued by this area of care? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it goes back to, you know, so my first aha moment working in Sierra Leone, you know, what was it about the private sector and how do how does Coca-Cola organize its supply chain and yeah. its marketing and its sales? But then w- the way we got started was Ernest, after we finished medical school, we both went into managing consulting to quote unquote learn business. Mm-hmm. And Ernest was on a McKinsey team that was in Botswana. So the world was waking up, this was like 2001, the world was waking up to this HIV crisis. And so McKinsey was doing a strategy to help the government of Botswana create a national HIV treatment program. And what became really clear in that work was that those folks working in public health, doctors and nurses, very competent, very well-trained folks, don't have the training in, in business management. And when you're running a national program at scale where you're treating you know, hundreds of thousands of people, you have to know supply chain, you have to know HR management, you have to know all these disciplines. And that's sort of when it all clicked together. And we decided that we were you know, stupidly going to quit our jobs and start Broadreach to hang up a shingle and to help governments and donors and NGOs and life sciences companies, anybody who is delivering healthcare to those in need to really put together and run programs more effectively. I love it. So give us an example of what you guys have done to create results, whether it be improved outcomes or better business uh, processes, profitability. Share something sure. with us. Yeah, sure. So you know, today, you know, Broadreach is about a thousand employees. The bulk of the folks are, are based in sub-Saharan Africa. Our Vantage platform today is supporting programs that are helping over two and a half million people on HIV treatment. That's roughly 10%. Mm-hmm of the world's HIV population who are on treatment. It's doing a lot of great things, but I think the one uh, program I'd love to highlight is in South Africa, we've had the privilege to work with one of the provinces. So the provinces are like a state in the U.S. So we work with one of the provinces called KwaZulu-Natal. And KwaZulu-Natal is really the epicenter of the world's HIV pandemic. It has roughly three and a half million people who are thought to be HIV positive. And that's Mm. roughly uh, 10% of the world's HIV population. And in that particular province, they have about 11 million people. They have about 860 or 70 public sector clinics and hospitals. And so this is their number one issue. I mean, if if they don't solve this issue, everything else doesn't matter. And so when we started working with them, and this is really, you know, before the days of cloud computing and AI, the biggest 
problem they had was trying to figure out what is actually happening across all 860 clinics. How am I doing on my budget? Am I getting as many people who need to be on treatment on treatment? Am I testing enough people? Am I keeping people adhering to their medicines? And so you can imagine doing this all by paper and reports that are three months old doesn't work. And so we're very fortunate to have been working with them, funded by USAID through the mm-hmm. U.S. government's PEPFAR program that George Bush originally started, the PEPFAR program, um, President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. And that through that funding, we were actually able to work with their government to install Vantage, to provide consulting services, to radically change. So today, they know every single day what's happening in all 860 clinics as it relates to you know, how many people were on treatment, uh, how many people were tested. We can look at, you know, which staff and which clinics were more productive, which ones weren't. So now they can make decisions every day and every week to reallocate resources and to boost performance. And it's been some of the, the outcomes we look at, in particular patient outcomes, we've been able to triple sort of adherence rates uh, through a test they call viral load testing to test the effectiveness of the treatment. You know, we have helped the province get over a million people um, on HIV treatment. Obviously, you know, we're in the background and we're doing the consulting work and they're, they're out there doing the hard work. But that's, you know, one particular shining example of the power of, of bringing productivity and AI and consulting to improve healthcare performance. That's a great, great example, John. And as the leaders listening to the podcast, mainly U.S.-based, you know, thinking about what they're going to do to either tackle their problems, you know, their population health problems, access problems, or maybe an entrepreneur listening to this that has a solution. You know, you guys probably worked. I don't know. I mean, this is a good opportunity to level set. Did you guys? What was the budget like? Is it smaller than what somebody in the U.S. would have to work with? And is what you guys have done translatable to help some of the access problems that we have in the U.S.? Yeah, no, definitely. Because, you know, I think a, a couple of things. First, obviously, the budgets are a lot smaller. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so, thought, but I didn't want to assume that. <laughs> right. So, so you know, you know, they say you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So when, when you're in these resource-poor settings, you have to figure out a way. I, I think it's very translatable into the U.S. I mean, any healthcare system, you always have the same problem. You just don't have enough money and resources to do everything you want to do. Right. So h- how do you be more effective? And so for us, you know, I think there's a couple of things that I view as leapfrog moments coming out of Africa that we can bring back into other markets. You know, number one, because we have a shortage of doctors and nurses where we work and because most of them are so busy seeing patients, the last thing they want to do is look at lots and lots of graphs and lots and lots of KPI indicators to try to figure out what to do. And so that forced us to really do the hard work of taking all the data. And then we used you know, natural language generation, AI, to basically translate it into very simple things. So if you're the minister of health of a country, you'll get an email that the system generates automatically, Vantage automatically creates, and tells you in very simple bullet points, these are your three issues this week, you know, likelihood of an outbreak of Ebola on the border, do X, Y, and Z, you know, second thing, third thing, fourth thing, all the way down to clinic managers that tells you what to focus on. So I think the leapfrog moment is it's taking analytics to real life applications. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the, the big issues. I think the second thing is really then you can make the right decision, but there's no guarantee you can actually implement it. And again, if you identify that a clinic's not performing because they've got issues with their, you know, their pharmacy forecasting, how do you then implement an intervention to fix that? And again, I think the big learning that we've had is that 
you need to systematize it and you need to build best practice toolkits so that when you go in to fix that, that pharmacy's inventory management system, there's an 18-step process and you can repeat it over and over and over again. And I think a lot of those disciplines can be brought back in, into these other markets. Yeah, I think that's really neat. And my mind goes to FQHCs, right, that are struggling to figure out a way to, to give their communities what they need and efficiency problems happen. And just these types of processes and, and uh, systems that you guys have built abroad, I feel like we could really benefit from over here. Oh, definitely. And I think you know, the difference in the U.S. is that you have so much rich patient level data. So a lot of the analytics and the focus is very much at the patient level. And I think what's forgotten, because we don't have the benefit of that in Africa, so we've had to look at social determinants of health uh, mm-hmm. indicators and overall systems indicators. You know, what's your length of stay? How many patients are you seeing, you know, per number of doctors, those sorts of things. And so our approach is very much from top down. How is your system performing? And I I, I do think some of that is translatable over into the U.S. and other developed markets. Fascinating. So you you guys have have done a lot and you've been working in in that area now for how long? A decade? Uh, Since 2003. So 16 years. 16 years. So going on two decades here, You've had a lot of success, but I'm sure that success hasn't come without setbacks. I'd love if if you could just share a setback (laughs) that you think is the most impactful and what you learned from it. Sure. Uh, Yeah, we've pretty much made every mistake in the book and (laughs) we've still survived. But I think the... The one thing when we first started, um, so, you know, we started out as consultants, you know, without Mm -hmm. the technology platform. When we started developing the technology platform, we sort of had this incorrect mind shift, which was, ah, the technology is the end in itself. It's not the means to the end, it's the end in itself. We're like, oh, you know, just have a good app, good technology, people will use it, and you're magically going to change how a health system performs. And we we couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, technology is a means to an end. It, it helps you change human behavior. But if you don't change human behavior at the end of the day, you know, how a clinic manager manages, how they allocate resources, you're not going to get the results. And that really forced us to rethink our approach. And so today, you know, our approach is really bundling the consulting, change management, process reengineering with the technology and using the technology to sort of make those changes stick and to reinforce those changes. And, you know, it's still, it's still a journey and, and, you know, we face, you know, different cultures, different languages. And so it's, you're always learning as you're doing this, but at the end of the day, if you can't motivate and incentivize people to change their behavior, whether you're a patient or you're somebody working in the health system, you know, you're not going to get the result. Love it. It's a great call out. You can't throw technology on top of human problems and expect it to change. <laughs> it would be great, but <laughs> <would> be unfortunately nice. <laughs> not. <laughs> no, it's a great call out and one that I think a lot of people listening could benefit from and, and probably already know, but a good reminder, folks, your technology alone is not going to make the difference. It's those human factors behind it that can truly get you that breakthrough you're looking for in your product or service or in a project that you got going on in your, in your hospital. So tell us a little bit about one of the proudest moments that you guys have had to date. Yeah, you know, I think the work that we I talked about in, in KwaZulu Natal, you know, I think has been a, a great example. But where we're going, what I'm very excited about is that, you know, we've recently built up a data science team. And so, you know, the work we've done talks a lot about systems performance, but we're now drilling down into um, predicting when patients are going to stop adhering. We're drilling down into things like 
how do I better shift and allocate resources on a daily and a weekly basis to make more of an impact? So for me, sort of launching this first data product around patient adherence has been a phenomenal achievement. You know, we've been able to back test the model with over half a million patients, longitudinal sort of history of, you know, over five years of patients on HIV treatment to see what's going to happen. I think that's going to be a game changer because now if we can get the health system to to improve and we can also identify those patients who are at high risk of stopping their meds and getting case managers to reach out to them and, and sending text messages out to them, that's sort of another, I think, big quantum leap for us. Man, that's huge. You guys just continue to make progress and you know, I'm just so intrigued by this area of Natal and what is the goal there then? You know, I mean, so it's 10% of, yeah, I guess, AIDS population is there. Is the goal to reduce that by a certain number by a certain time or? Yeah, so there, there are standards that sort of the public health industry has set, um, UNAIDS in particular, and WHO. And, and you know, we, we want to basically end the pandemic of HIV. And the way you do that, typical treatment cascade. So you need to identify those who are mm-hmm. HIV positive. You got to put them on treatment. They got to stay on treatment. So there's targets we have to hit. We need to identify 90% of those who are tested. We need to make sure they know they're positive. Uh, sorry, 90% of those who are positive that we test them and they know that they're positive. And of those, 90% need to be on treatment. And of those, 90% um, need to stay on their treatment. So, you know, same thing in diabetes, a classic sort of patient cascade. And so in KwaZulu-Natal and in every country that has HIV, that's the overarching sort of three indicators you're focused on. And if you can hit 90%, across that cascade, we can get the HIV um, pandemic under control. And so that, that's absolutely the focus of KwaZulu-Natal and, and everywhere else. Wow. That's a big goal. And I uh, definitely admire you guys for being there and, and doing that work because it's, it's definitely not easy. No, but you know, it's, it's a passion and it's a calling. So we, you know, we, it's Ernest, my, my co-founder always says, you know, every day doesn't feel like I'm going to work. <laughs> it feels like I'm doing something That's I awesome. love. And That's when it stops good. feeling that way, then it's time to change. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely admire you guys for that. And, and, and so you're obviously making some huge strides and I can't congratulate you enough for, for the work that you guys have done. What's next here is the lightning round followed by a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready, Jen? Sure. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Uh, I think teaching those in the healthcare system, management and leadership uh, skills, and then giving them the tools like you know, data-powered insights to, to help them do better. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Falling in love with your own idea. So I always say, don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Because when you do, you, you sort of don't open your eyes and you don't collaborate with others. Because ultimately, I think collaboration is the best way to solving these complex problems. Love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Um, we keep our core principles, our true north, always the same. So it's about improving access. How we do that changes with time. So we started out as consultants. Today, we're more technology, data with wraparound consulting. But the principle is always the same. What's the area of focus that drives everything at your organization? Patient outcomes. So we, we actually have, if you walk to our offices, any of our offices, you'll see that this poster where we've got our, our sort of moonshot vision that by the end of 2020, we want to be empowering 20,000 leaders in a health system with Vantage and our, our consulting uh, products to help influence and impact the catchment population of 1.5 billion women, children, and men. So that's sort of up there front and center for, for everybody when you walk in and we have screensavers that say that as well. 
It doesn't get any clearer than that. And I love that you have it on the screensavers too. Yep. <laughs> just yeah. having it visible, you know, I, I believe in that, you know, just having it front and center helps that focus. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Cause that. if you don't, if you don't have a target, you're never going to hit it. Yeah. And, and if you write it down and keep it in a file on your desktop or, you know, in your drawer, it's not as powerful as if you put it in front of you. Exactly. I love that. And that's a great way to do it. Big reason why you guys have been successful is these little things that you do. And, and so I'd love if you could share your favorite book with the listeners. Yeah. Um, it's a tough question. <laughs> I love to read and yeah. it depends, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll cheat and I'll say there's two books. So in the early days of Broadreach, we used to always give people two books when they joined. So the mm-hmm. first book was Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist. Mm. Uh, wow. and the second oh, favorites, man. Yeah. It's an awesome book. And then, and then Jim okay. Collins, good to great. And we used to always say, look, if you're going to solve these, these serious pressing issues, you have to like combine the heart and the mind or the left brain and the right brain. And we used to always say, you know, Paolo Coelho's alchemist is more sort of the heart, the right brain, and then sort of good to great is, is, is a left brain. You've got to combine both ultimately to, if you're going to solve these problems. Love it, man. That's a great message and some great recommendations. And uh, gosh, you know, listeners, you know where to go. Go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar. Just type in John Sargent or type in Broadreach and you'll get the entire show notes, the transcript to our discussion with Dr. John Sargent today. John, this has been a blast. I love if you could just leave us all with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could reach out if uh, they want to continue the conversation. You know, we are always looking to partner and collaborate with different groups. And so I, I would love, you know, if there are folks that are listening to your podcast regularly, you know, whether they're part of you know, medical device companies, governments, donors, life sciences companies, private sector in the US, you know, we're looking for ways to collaborate with other groups and to expand our reach. You know, we would love to, I think we were discussing before the podcast, we're really focused on figuring out how we can grow into other markets. So we'd love to collaborate and, and work with folks. And you can contact us best way is on our website. It's Broadreach Corporation, all one word, broadreachcorporation.com. And there's a contact section and you send, send a sort of contact information and, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Love it. John, I really appreciate your time and, and the insights that you've learned being and doing work out there in, in Africa, improving access. I feel like there's a lot that we could learn to improve access and outcomes here in the States. So just want to give you a big thanks for joining us today. Great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 